0: If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. You're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, all right, welcome to the program here on Monday. Patrick Henningsen, your host. We are broadcasting live for the next two hours here, and we have a lot of important issues to cover, not just uh, in the global arena, but also specifically in certain regions. We'll be talking about the political fallout right now in the United States uh, and in the Middle East. Over the invocation of the Genocide Convention, this is a really important moment in history, and we've been talking about this now for weeks, and we've had some great people, including some of the people on the forefront of this effort, campaigning for this. It's now happened. South Africa has invoked the Genocide Convention. Sam Husseini is a journalist based in Washington, D.C., and uh, he has been on the forefront of that effort. Uh, He's also been weighing in uh, weekly on this issue with our audience here. We're gonna bring him back today Uh, for a brief segment in the first hour to hear what he has to say about this important issue and some of the breaking developments. We'll go through that with Sam Husseini, the journalist. And also in the second hour, I am so pleased uh, to welcome onto the program uh, a great author, a great political analyst, a great propaganda analyst. None other than Mark Crispin Miller is going to be joining us in the second hour to talk about a lot of things, a lot of people might know mark from sort of debunking propaganda if you're younger you might not know that he wrote a very pivotal book about the 2004 election where he contends that John Kerry was railroaded uh, by the powers that be Uh, to shoehorn in george bush jr into his second term that's mark crispin miller we'll talk about election fraud lawfare all of the basic abrogations of democratic norms which are happening in the united states in this 2024 election cycle so i'm looking forward to that conversation with mark so that'll be in the second hour and we may even get a hot take or two Uh, from Basil Valentine, if he's available to come in with some breaking news. There's a lot going on on the global stage. And I think it's important uh, that we frame this right now. There are talks, believe it or not, we're starting to see noises coming from the Israeli camp about a political solution, (laughs) a political solution, that somehow there's going to be a political solution with Hezbollah. I know you're, you're you're probably thinking to yourself, am I hearing that correctly? What's Patrick talking about? Well, I'm talking about Benjamin Netanyahu himself is starting to make very confused statements, very ambiguous statements. We can't work out what he's actually saying. Is he saying that, well, we might need some kind of a peace agreement or some kind of a ceasefire agreement with Hezbollah? First, we've heard this about Gaza from other Israeli ministers Now we're hearing it about the northern front, or southern Lebanon, northern Israel, with Hezbollah, because what happened? Hezbollah retaliated over the weekend. Hezbollah retaliated over the weekend, hitting a key Israeli airbase. And let me tell you, this is no joke. This is a significant development. Because you see, the militias and some of the non-state actors have not had these capabilities before. I'm talking about short, medium-range missile, accurate, guided, GPS-guided missiles. They haven't had these capabilities before. They do now. So Mount Meron is one of the locations where Israel had one of its military facilities. Very important, too, for anti-aircraft, for for radar, and so forth. This has been totally disabled over the weekend, destroyed, pretty much rendered inoperable for the most part by Hezbollah. This has set an absolute panic throughout the Israeli ranks and in the United States. They cannot believe that there's such accurate missiles and they're able to target them and bypass their so, so-called so Iron Dome. Because the Iron Dome is deployed to protect Tel Aviv. It's deployed to protect some of the more uh, built-up urban areas, the sort of political residential strongholds of Israel. They don't have iron domes to protect everything, and even then they're not impregnable, as we now know. And we're told there are reports that a drone has reached and hit a target in Haifa. This is Israel's main port. So between Ben-Gurion Airport, which is... On the target list by Hezbollah, they said if Israel touches Beirut Airport, we will reciprocate and hit Ben-Gurion Airport. Okay, other target list, Port of Haifa. Between Ben-Gurion Airport and the Port of Haifa, that's Israel done. Just saying, from a strategic point of view, its main airport and flights are booked up months now to get out of the country. So anybody that says they're not fleeing in droves, out of Israel. Uh, I beg to differ. The facts say otherwise. So who launched the drone which hit Haifa? Was it the Hashtil Shabi, the Iraqi PMUs, one of the uh, militias that formed the PMUs in Iraq? Was it them? Was it Hezbollah? It looks like we're not sure. Hezbollah wasn't explicit about this, So it seems like is very well could be from coming from the Iraqi militias. Where was it launched from? I don't have those details. We will get those details. We might even get them before the end of the program, but you see how important this is. The landscape has changed dramatically in this conflict because of two things, technology and the axis of resistance forming all these non-state actors, state actors as well, like Syria, like Iran, and then resistance factions within Palestine, like Hamas, and the sort of dozen or so resistance brigades there, Hashd al-Shabi from Iraq, which is under the Iraqi Ministry of Defense, by the way, and Hezbollah, Ansar Allah, a.k.a. the Houthis in Yemen, and Syria, that's more or less, more or less, the axis of resistance. So coming from all sides, coming from all angles, working somewhat independently, but coordinated at a certain level with the latest technology at a very low cost. This is not good for Israel, so its hegemony is going to come up against a major brick wall here because the deterrence which Israel's enjoyed over the years the deterrence, the overwhelming force in deterrence, that's its strategy. That's always been its strategy. That was its greatest strength for decades. Ever since Yom Kippur and Moore in 1973, it's been its greatest strength. But now it's perhaps its greatest liability. We saw that on October 7th, and we've also seen that here with Hezbollah's precision strikes, taking out the eyes and the ears of the IDF on the northern front. They are panicking, make no mistake about it. You have whole communities in northern Israel that are empty, ghost towns. The kibbutzes, empty. The settlements, empty. Only soldiers are there, and reservists, and key workers. That's it, nothing else. So what what does that mean? Means that the people who lived there don't have a lot of faith that Israel is going to be able to protect them. That's a big game changer in this whole story, because really the whole Israeli project is really predicated. And Netanyahu's ran become prime minister for life, running on that very point. I will protect you. I will make this the safest place in the world for the global uh, Jewry or Jewish population of the of the world. Come to Israel, you'll be protected. You'll be safe. It's not the case anymore. And that's a big change that really does alter the political calculus, not just internally uh, in the state of Israel, but internationally as well. It's also going to reverberate in Washington, D.C., and in London, and in Brussels, and in Paris, and in Berlin. So now we're seeing the real shift occurring, and I believe this is only the beginning. Will Israel retaliate in due course and risk a counterattack by Hezbollah at more targeted strategic military facilities? I mean, airports where F-16s and F-35s are housed or what else? So you can see it's a very small geographical area, and the IDF is extremely vulnerable now. They weren't 10 years ago. They weren't 20 years ago. They weren't 30 years ago. They are now. It's very different. It's very different. This isn't 1968. And that's the point we want to hammer home. Let's take a break with TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be right back when we connect journalists from Washington, D.C., Sam Husseini, to talk about the latest developments in South Africa's invocation of the Genocide Convention against Israel. This is getting. Extremely interesting. All this and more on the other side we'll be right back
2: Jeremy Nell on TNT radio being South African I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire basically our farmers mostly white have been under attack for years and years and years and then when I say attack I mean that physically don't I yes um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa since 1994 we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second Day, um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year,
1: and we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society. Are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders.
0: Jeremy Nell on today's news talk, TNT Radio. We honor
2: you, Father.
1: Chief Division Council and DOJ have approved a no-not breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact.
0: Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? is a person to look at and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! What?
1: Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism.
0: It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion
1: and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want.
0: co2 sustains all life on earth but now it's in long-term decline we face the return of an ice age we mandate that the truth be told today's news talk radio tnt
1: welcome back welcome back ladies and gentlemen to tnt today's news talk we're in hour number one of this live broadcast thank you for rejoining us i'm your host patrick kenningson and before the break we were talking about The Genocide Convention, which South Africa has recently triggered. It's getting extremely interesting. The political maneuvering has begun. And uh, we're going to welcome onto the stage a very special guest. He's actually been taking us along the way on this story for weeks now. His name is Sam Husseini. He's based in Washington, D.C. He's a journalist. And he's also a frequent uh, member there of the press pool at the U.S. State Department. You've probably seen some of his hot takes and uh, highlights uh, on X, Twitter and other platforms. He's joining us on the line right now. Sam, uh, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me,
1: Patrick. Sam, it's getting uh, extremely interesting right now uh, with the Genocide Convention as things are developing. uh, Both sides are getting their ducks in a row, as it were. There's also some reports about uh, maneuvering behind the scenes. But uh, take us through the latest on this, Sam.
0: Well, um, the hearing will be on this Thursday and Friday. Um, uh, South Africa will present on Thursday. Israel will rebut on Friday. Um, The 84 page application by South Africa uh, is very thorough. Um, It goes through not only the actions by Israel um, uh, since October 7th, uh, not only uh, their statements of genocidal intent by Israeli leaders. um, It also very interestingly goes through the background so that it goes through and summarizes past UN reports so for example in the past uh, israel has you know made similar claims that they made recently that oh hamas was firing from rock you know rockets from hospitals and that's why we had to uh, attack hospitals um and they go through and quote past UN reports saying they found no evidence of that during prior attacks on on gaza so it really is a full throttle attack on sort of the entire um uh apparatus propaganda apparatus by israel um latest thing or one of the latest things is that israel uh, axios reported uh put out a memo basically threatening other countries bilateral relationships with israel including uh security and economic and other issues uh with uh with those various countries um so what what you have now is basically a global movement uh, you have 800 groups now that have just put out a statement urging very all, urging all of these countries that have been critical of israel to file uh, declarations uh, at the international criminal at the international court of justice backing up south africa's case and on the other side you have israel putting out this memo basically threatening them um uh with uh, with a reprisal of some sort uh unspecified as to uh what what uh what Israel might do to them if they don't back up Israel in some
1: Yeah, this is the part that uh, we were concerned about uh, a few weeks ago. We thought, because I've seen how this has played out behind the scenes, uh, Sam, in previous high stakes uh, international proceedings, Uh, the WMD Iraq story, of course, you're very familiar with having covered that very closely at the time. And then we later found out uh, from whistleblower uh, GCHQ, whistleblower Catherine Gunn, in the uk uh what was going on in terms of threats uh black if you don't vote a certain way so what you're saying here is th- there is the ability to lean on individuals who are involved in the process and whether they be judges uh or people even on the south african team um, how far could this go could this go as far as sam as uh hit pieces in the press about certain individuals to discredit people based on what you've seen in the past what what yeah. what type what type of things can you envision that might happen
0: i mean i almost don't want to articulate all the things that i can envision because it's all so dark um but you're perfectly right to uh recall the Catherine Gunn case um uh, she r- revealed that there was a spy surge uh, targeting members of the U.S. Security Council prior to the vote uh, that the U.S. was trying to get authorizing um, uh, the invasion of Iraq in 2003. Um, she exposed that attempt, um, faced God knows how long in prison, um, uh, and, and, and effectively forced the U.S. and Britain to back off. Uh, They never got their second UN Security Council resolution, um, uh, which is part of what made the invasion of Iraq more obviously illegal, uh, because they never got UN Security Council authorization for it. Um, And in the past, you had, you know, when Yemen voted against the original Gulf War, the U.S. uh, representative at the time turned to the Yemeni representative and said, that's the most expensive vote you ever cast and all, all of their uh, us aid funding was immediately cut off those are the sort of and, and you're right that you know in terms of you know if you're doing a spy search on diplomats it could be that person's personal life right so if some diplomat or some judge or whatever is having an affair um you know their spouse might find out uh, if they don't tow the party line, uh, that's the kind of thing we're potentially talking about. Um, but my, my mind occasionally, you know, there are even darker precedents to this, um, uh, coming out of the whole pandemic, um, thing. Um, I was researching, um, in, in the very early 1980s, um, Uh, Cuba was sending uh, soldiers to uh, Angola uh, to fight against the white supremacists there. And um, the U.S. sent a scientist to Cuba to tell them, um, you know, you could end up with dengue fever um from these soldiers that you're sending to South Africa H- have I told you the story Patrick I can't No, this her.
1: this is this is a new one uh go yeah. ahead this, this sounds yeah. interesting
0: yeah um uh, a scientist was named Charles Charles Callisher, and um uh so he went to Cuba and he said you know some of these you know you're sending all so many of these soldiers to to Africa Eventually one of them is gonna come down with dengue fever in Africa, and then he's gonna come back, and then you're gonna have a dengue fever outbreak in in Cuba. Um, Sure enough, they did have a dengue fever outbreak, uh, except according to the Cubans, the way that the dengue fever outbreak happened didn't indicate that it actually came from Africa. It broke out in different parts of the island simultaneously, There would later be Cuban defectors, that is people who were spying for the US and then became double agents and went back to Cuba who were saying that their US handlers were telling them to be on the lookout for when the dengue fever outbreak would happen, implying that it was done by the United States. Um, And Cuba basically accused the United States of causing Uh, that dengue fever outbreak, Um, and that scientist, part of the reason that I got interested in all of this, that scientist, Charles Kalischer, is uh, still at Colorado State University, Um, and if people might recall, there were two main pillars of propaganda saying that COVID couldn't have lab origins. One of them was a nature medicine article, um, which I've done a lot of work on, um, and the other was the Lancet letter uh, put together by people like Jeremy Farrar, uh, who's now um, uh, uh, chief scientist for WHO, and Peter Dazak, who's head of EcoHealth Alliance. The first signer in that Lancet letter article, in that Lancet letter article, um, uh, which dismissed the possibility of lab origins as a conspiracy theory, was none other than Charles um, That. This all implies that Charles Calisher, if the Cuban allegations are true, was a U.S. spook um, and likely continues to be a U.S. spook signing these documents, pretending that COVID couldn't have a lab origin. And this highlights, you know, people say that bio warfare is a poor man's weapon. Um, it's not. It has a unique... Positive attribute, useful attribute, I should say, and that is deniability. Nice country you got there. It would be a real shame if you had a outbreak uh, that would kill a bunch of people and kill your livestock and so on and so forth. So that's the kind of thing that the U.S. empire is capable of doing. Um, and Israel is p- quite likely capable of doing. Israel has is never even signed. I mean, the U.S gets around or pretends to get around the bioweapons uh, convention by doing this so-called gain of function lab work. Um, uh, eh, but Israel hasn't signed the thing at all. Um, it's it's the mo- by far the most technologically advanced country that hasn't signed the bioweapons convention. I should also note that there's a hearing in um, It's very action-packed week coming up. On Thursday, you're gonna have South Africa um charging israel with genocide on friday you're going to have uh, israel's rebuttal on wednesday uh, there's going to be a hearing in wisconsin the university of wisconsin is probably the foremost facility in the united states doing this dangerous lab work uh, making deadly pathogens more deadly um and uh, a bunch of um uh, people in the state assembly uh, put together a bill to try to stop it um, and to try to defund uh, and make illegal uh, that that whole process. This, this is they they tinkered with Ebola at the University of Wisconsin, and they made the avian flu, which is highly highly deadly but not highly infectious, more infectious. Um, it's estimated that if that got out, this weaponized avian flu, uh, you, you'd be talking about a billion with a B people dead uh if, if what they had been working on gets out so it'd also be interesting to see what what happens there and if you know uh, you know we're in this demented state where you know it's a bunch of Republicans putting forward this stuff and it's being dismissed by so-called progressives on completely spurless grounds
1: yeah yeah there's, there's a whole uh uh sort of um, what do you call it um bio uh bio warfare and countermeasures uh, department very well funded uh, after the Cold War. It was supposed to be all all this stuff supposed to be mothballed, Sam, uh, after the end of the Cold War, because it was really Soviet arms race uh, legacy projects. And of course, uh, it's now being ramped up so uh and spread all around the world uh, through various Pentagon-funded facilities through the Defense uh, Threat Reduction Agency, if I'm not mistaken, uh, under the DoD. So. It is also an incredible gravy train very profitable if you're well connected and those people you just mentioned are probably very well connected uh to profit from this so it is just a, an unfortunate unfortunate another ugly appendage of the military-industrial complex but then it overlaps really, w- yeah go ahead
0: it really got rolling after the anthrax attacks um after after 9 11 people were called the anthrax attacks which came from You know, U.S. or U.S. allied labs um, and um, uh, basically shut down Congress, helped pave the way for the Patriot Act, civil liberties restrictions, as well as the Afghan war, put in place the, you know, know, perpetual wars that that dominated U.S. society for decades. That all came out of the anthrax attacks and the fear uh, instigated by that.
1: And we, we actually uh, interviewed um, Dr. Merrill Nass uh, a few months ago, who does a lot of work with Children's Health Defense. You might be familiar with her work, but she was working with the soldiers injured uh, from the uh, well from the anthrax vaccine, among other vaccines uh, in the military. And a lot of what people attributed to Gulf War syndrome over the years, that was always a very murky Uh, diagnosis. uh, And herself and others believe that uh, perhaps a a big part of Gulf War syndrome, as it's known, uh, is from some of these experimental vaccination rollouts that they would use. The U.S. servicemen as kind of you know, guinea pigs, if you will, uh, for some of these products, again, under the banner of countermeasures. Uh, so it's an incredibly profitable uh, uh, line of business, especially if you have a military contract, uh, they're going to pay a lot more a premium than uh, the out in the general public on that. So it's,
0: uh, it's an incredible uh, rabbit hole, that one. So, I mean, big picture to me, what South Africa is trying to do Um, And what people supporting it are trying to do are to drag everything into the sunlight to say, no, we're not going to live in a world where it's all this behind the scenes machinations and surveillance and blackmail um, and bio warfare. We're going to actually have a law based world where it doesn't matter if you're so powerful, it doesn't matter um, if you're so connected, the law is gonna to apply to you. And if you go and slaughter a ton of people and you state your genocidal intent as Israel has, you're gonna be held to account. You're gonna be held to account. And we're gonna live in that world and not in this world of endless skullduggery and, um, and threats and reprisals and um uh and blackmail so that that's that's what's going on here that's the stakes and that's why all these activists have said we're going to get our countries whether it's brazil or bolivia or algeria or lebanon or uh whatever to uh issue declarations backing up south africa they've taken a stand here and they you know uh, it's unconscionable if they're just left, you know, in a lurch there. And my latest um, this volunteer put together this spreadsheet with all of the contact information of all these countries. Uh, she just added the contact information for the judges. It's perfectly okay for people to be contacting the judges as well, as long as it's done respectfully and it's not done in coordination with uh, the South African government. Uh, which it's not i'm not coordinating with them i think what they've done is magnificent um it's a very serious document that they put forward i really urge people to really look at it and read as much of it as you can possibly stomach uh it's 84 pages incredibly heavily footnoted um and uh you know to try to get individual countries to uh, you know a lot of countries should especially a lot of countries that have been critical of Israel that have even called it genocidal should obviously be making declarations to the court saying we're backing this up um, and saying, you know, that especially this part and this part and this part are are completely correct and we urge you to rule in South Africa's favor and we urge you to put in place immediate um, measures uh, of, you know, restraining Israel and and calling on it to um, halt its slaughter um um other countries can also be approached even countries that we don't expect to do the right thing at least get them to shut up um at least you know get you know uh england to be quiet or australia to, one of the judges is australian on the court she could be the swing judge um you know to to get as many of um the countries that you know are signers to the genocide convention the vast majority of countries are signers to the Genocide Convention uh, to do the right thing. They are pledged under the convention to stop and prevent genocide. That's their legal obligation under the convention. They should do so.
1: so South Africa has just appointed the uh, former Deputy Chief Justice, uh, D- Degang uh, Moseneki. And he is a uh, veteran, as are many of these uh, South African uh, legal uh, officials of the apartheid transition in that country. So uh, that adds another additional bit of weight um, on the South African side. And certainly there's going to be, I think, a, a price to pay politically, Sam, for countries that are on the fence or waffling or completely, you know, aloof on this right now or avoiding it. And a lot of people have said, "I'll get your your final comments on this, Sam." We'll 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 uh, break for the segment, but that there's more than just Israel on trial here. That this could make or break the system of international law. In other words, like we saw with the demise of the League of Nations and that international structure uh, through the through the Second World War with uh, the Nazi Germany. If this is somehow railroaded or uh, is basically comes with no, renders no decision or doesn't uh render in favor of the South african uh, petition that this could basically break the whole concept of international law their confidence the trust, their respect for the institutions what are your what are your feelings on on these these sort of charges
0: yeah i, I think that's accurate um if if the international court of justice fails, then, uh, you know, the the world genuinely needs to be completely remade and, you know, virtually all major institutions legitimacy evaporates. I mean, the the UN has just been a blab fest for the last three months um, and that's somewhat predictable. International Court of Justice is supposed to be something better than that and if it fails now then the entire UN system may well not survive and certainly will have its legitimacy completely crumbling
1: and for the for the for the simple reason that everybody agrees this is the best uh case in terms of evidence in terms of proof of genocidal intent from multiple Israeli officials? Like, there's this has always been difficult to gather evidence for these types of things. By far and away, would you agree that this is probably the the most clear-cut case ever brought to this institution?
0: Yeah, absolutely, because of the intent, because the Israeli leaders are outright saying what they're doing. They're outright saying no food, no medicine, Uh, no water. Um, uh, They're they're outright, you know, saying, you know, you are Amalek, you are, you know, you know, there are no innocents in Gaza, you know, statement after statement, which is in the uh, South African application. It's there. Uh, If the court turns its back on that, then, then the court stays or no.
1: No, it is uh, It is. It is that stark uh, in terms of its uh, vivid detail. 84-page report, again, as uh, Sam Husseini says, you, you guys need to get out and read this document. We'll try to drop a link to that in the TNT chat community. If you guys already can grab that in our TNT chat box, go ahead, and uh, that's available, publicly available. Uh, Sam Husseini, and I want to point people to follow Sam on X Twitter, Sam Husseini, and also Sam's Substack. You want to subscribe to that as well, because he is writing regularly on this and other issues. So, And there's a lot more detail in Sam's writing than uh, we're covering here uh, during this segment. But Sam, thank you very much for joining us this week on TNT.
0: Thank you, Patrick.
1: There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is Sam Husseini, journalist based in Washington, D.C. Follow his work. Look, we're going to go take a break right now with the network. And when we come back, we're going to pick up uh, some of the main international headlines in the remainder of uh, our number one here. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Stick around. We'll be right back. anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth... Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about,
0: man? Look at his stats.
1: It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, no, no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious. Some are easy to miss. But they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to
0: you. ...justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question.
1: We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats.
0: ProtectPressFreedom.org. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. This is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back, folks, to TNT Today's News Talk. This is the Patrick Cunningham Show. We're still in our number one of this live broadcast. Great segment with uh, our guest, Sam Husseini. On the genocide convention. Sam's keeping a very close eye on that story, has been even before it was invoked by South Africa. In fact, he's one of the people who was really pushing that uh, on his various channels, uh, trying to drum up support for this idea back in uh, November and December. And sure enough, it's happened. So, and now it's developing. Things are getting very interesting behind the scenes. Well, maybe we'll talk about that uh, in this segment here. And I also want to also note that there is uh, North Korea. Uh, North Korea is being accused of supplying missile components <laughs> to, to all sorts of people in the region, including uh, the Houthis uh, in Yemen and Sir Allah. Uh, The Hashid and Hezbollah. So we'll see. That looks like more axis of evil posturing uh, from the United States trying to create uh, an issue there with North Korea. It could be very much true. If it is, I'd be very worried if I was the U.S. or Israel because uh, North Korea missile tech is pretty good. So that's one thing that's uh, quite interesting based on the things that we said in the first hour maybe we'll touch on that a little bit more in the second hour if we get more information breaking on that uh, i want to bring on to the pro- call right now basil valentine our roving correspondent for international affairs he's joining us on the live link right now firstly what do you what do you make of the uh, latest developments uh, with the genocide convention israel making threats behind the scenes to judges countries diplomats all sorts of people uh the united states potentially going to make threats regarding aid loan guarantees this all of sounds course. familiar doesn't it It all sounds it does. Familiar. i mean it's,
2: it's typical gangsterism isn't it patrick you know uh, when gangsters are accused of criminal acts murderous acts they lean on judges and witnesses and start trying to intimidate people involved in the judicial process. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, that's why Blinken has been in Turkey and and Greece. I think he was very concerned that the Turks might back the whole genocide thing. Um, so uh, Jordan, likewise, they've made noises about doing so, but uh, they haven't yet backed the case. The Bolivians have. The South American country of Bolivia is backing the South African case in full. Um, Interesting tweet from Craig Mokaiba, who used to work for the UN and resigned, pointing out the fact that the front lines in the battle for human rights are now in London, Washington, Brussels, Berlin, New York, Paris, because it's our government's that are continuing to back the genocide. They're not saying so every day because they know how unpopular it is with populations the world over. But that's effectively what they're doing uh, by their silence. Silence is complicity. Um, So the United States, obviously, is an active participant. I mean, Tony Blinken, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, Chutzpah doesn't even begin to cover it the comments he made in Doha I don't know if you heard about this
1: no what did he say
2: well he referred to the assassination of yet another journalist in Gaza as a terrible tragedy as if it sort of you know be knocked down by a car or something you know um but in fact as we know Israel has been deliberately targeting journalists and the families of journalists no. um while al Dadu's whole family were wiped out you know blinken went to first went to qatar on october the 13th or 14th or something sometime shortly after that and asked al jazeera to tone down their coverage do you remember
1: yeah <laughs> so uh, while and, and al- they refused the while al dada while al dada the journalist he, he's an al jazeera uh correspondent isn't he or recorder. that's
2: right in gaza yeah. um uh you know the Qataris and Al Jazeera refused to turn down their coverage a week later uh al-dadu's entire family were murdered in a strike okay more journalists have been murdered in this so-called conflict than it died in the Second World War and it's only been going on for three months in intensity. What we've been seeing over the last three months surpasses anything in the Second World War. There's been more ordnance dropped per square mile on Gaza than was dropped on Dresden or in the London Blitz, far outstreaking any of those. The scale of the damage is simply breathtaking. Now, Gilad Laksman said that the Israelis are getting very nervous now about being found guilty of genocide hence blinken's tour of the middle east to try and shore up support hence the leaning on judges but uh, as sam said uh, the, the world is on trial because if they're not found guilty when there is you know both overwhelming evidence on the ground so i mean you know everybody's talking about the statements of intent of course they're important but look what's actually happened a million people are being starved systematically to death you know 50,000 have been injured something like 30,000 have been killed you know um the dogs are eating corpses buried under the rubble and the human beings are hunting the dogs to eat it is hell on earth that has been created very deliberately so um You know, the worst situation of our lifetimes, Patrick, and we keep coming back to that, but it has to be mentioned, it has to be described as such. Another little wrinkle which Owen Jones was pointing out, a new report has come out breaking down the BBC's coverage since October the 7th, and the different language used when reporting on Israeli casualties and Palestinians. uh, Words like savage, brutal, and slaughtered are used to describe the deaths of Israelis, who are also given per individual hundreds of times more coverage than Palestinians. When Palestinians are murdered, slaughtered brutally, then words like, Killed or have died, are used, and they die in a blast, something like that. Okay, so you know, 160 Palestinians died in a blast. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, when describing the deaths of Israelis, the Israelis were savagely murdered by terrorists, you know. So, this is all feeding into this propaganda narrative that, um, you know, Hamas is the most evil thing on the planet when it's quite obvious that their opponents are far more sadistic and cruel
1: i don't know if you've seen it but uh the the israelis have released uh footage of uh palestinian men in gaza uh stripped naked uh right down to their underwear and then uh, tie wrapped or hogtied um all standing in a pit uh, among the yes. bombed bombed out rubble, and then they're all making confessions, like it's all Hamas's fault. I got some of it translated, uh, just uh, you know, ad hoc translation from uh, a few of our colleagues on on X Twitter. Uh, but and then they film it in a very cinematic way. It's done in HD. It's framed very well. It's lit. So this is part of a propaganda film, which is being used within Israel. Uh, for adverts uh, to get the public on board with the, you know, still on board at the middle, military operation with the genocide. Uh, and then they're going to be exporting uh, this film as well, be shown to uh, pro-Israeli groups in the United States to say, hey, look, we were right. Uh, Hamas, its they're holding all these Palestinians uh, as human shields. This is all part of their defense uh which they're supposedly mounting at the uh international Courts of justice who is might be fronted by uh of all people and the timing just couldn't be more uncanny alan dershowitz the precarious uh, us quote yeah, constitutional they, they, lawyer they
2: have also, yeah. also dug the israelis have also dug out a zionist british yeah they've also dug out a british lawyer team that the Israelis have assembled is, of course, uh, Zionists and UK-based Zionists. So it really is sort of Balfour, once again, against Nelson Mandela, if you like, <laughs> who famously said that uh, Palestinian freedom would not be, you know, our own freedom is not complete without the freedom of the Palestinians. Um, Uh, I've just seen a tweet from Ambassador Majed Bamiya, who is the Deputy Permanent Observer of the State of Palestine to the UN, um, saying that the Israeli war minister has said that Israel can copy-paste to Beirut what is happening in Gaza. So Mm. uh, instead of putting an end to the criminal assault, Israel is threatening to widen it. I mean, supposedly Blinken is in the Middle East to try and prevent a wider war. Uh, I, I, I find the fact that he's not addressing the genocide that's going on at the moment absolutely despicable. Um, you know, all he's concerned really about is uh, maintaining the United States' public image, but that's been completely trashed by the actions anyway. So,
1: Good luck with that. Uh, I don't think uh, Beirut's going to get turned into Gaza because if they hit anything of significance in Beirut, uh, be it buildings, the airport, or whatever. Um, Hezbollah has already said what it's going to do, and it already demonstrated over the weekend uh, by uh, hitting the Israeli airbase at Mount Maron, which is completely disabled now. Nobody saw that coming. And they said, yeah, we've got other target lists. Go ahead. If you want to try to turn Beirut or southern Beirut, Dahia district into another Gaza be our guest, because what are you prepared to sacrifice in return? Haifa, uh, your air bases that house your F-35s? I mean, this is getting serious. And I th- we're starting to see a little back down, Basil, some language from the Israelis, like talking about p- political settlements and so forth. So it's I think the penny is beginning to drop that uh, this is not Hezbollah from 1995 go ahead final words before i don't think the
2: pennies i don't think yeah i don't think the pennies drop with them quite how unpopular they are in the rest of the Mm. world uh, because of the isolation and propaganda barrage they live under i don't think they realize that uh, you know the entire planet bar the most dyed-in-the-wool partisan zionists uh, who of course continue to have a stranglehold on brussels washington and london and Notably Berlin, absolutely dreadful statements coming out of the German foreign minister who was in the region over the weekend, abysmal. Um, But amongst ordinary populations the world over, Israel will forever be a pariah uh, on a par with uh, any regime in human history, you know, as bad as any we've ever witnessed. Apparently, one of the defences that the Israelis are planning on putting up on Thursday uh, is to say that... That where ministers, including Netanyahu, have said genocidal things, they didn't mean that's what these readers
1: Israelis- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're getting pulled up for this and being held to account for this. And uh just let me add real quick, uh yeah, the South African delegation called out the 40 beheaded babies publicly. And was challenged by the opposition party in their parliament and she shot them right down saying no it's fake news it's fake news so that's a you know high level parliamentarian in a major country saying it publicly maybe there'll be others following suit (laughs) the sacred 40 beheaded babies uh, mantra which uh, all this was built on top of uh, if you can imagine that basil valentine thank you for joining us on tnt today's news talk this week there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That is Basil Valentine. We're gonna take a break. Top of the hour news headlines coming up after this. And on the other side, let's pick up this the North Korea story, missile tech to Yemen. What are they talking about? We'll get uh, some takes on this and more on the other side. And you got Mark Crispin Miller. We're gonna join us on a call. That's gonna be exciting. And I'm looking forward to that. All this and more coming right up. Stay right there.